Arthur Harrow, cult leader, former Fist of Conchu, Nobel Prize-nominated people-experimenting mad scientist. Yeah, that's a thing. In this episode of Night Night Spectre, we discuss this powerful yet relatively insignificant character and how mental and physical pain has been the fuel that drives his twisted pursuits. Welcome to Night Night Spectre, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and splintered mind of Moon Knight. I'm your host, Elizabeth. And I'm Lawrence. Welcome to another amazing episode of the podcast. A character that we've wanted to discuss for a long time now is Arthur Harrow. And while Ethan Hawke championed this role to critical acclaim in the Disney Plus series, show only and new comic book fans might be surprised to find out that Arthur Harrow only ever appeared in one Moon Knight comic and was basically irrelevant the entire time. Well, I mean, after that issue. (laughs) Yeah. Man got barely any screen time in his one and only comic. That's true. That's true. So in this episode, we're going to take a closer look at both the television and comic variants of this newly iconic character, explain their backstories, histories, and motives while taking a closer look at how they're different and where they're actually similar by studying what drives them. But be warned, the single-issue comic we're discussing is very much from the 80s and does not really hold up to today's standards in somewhat hilarious, somewhat cringe ways. Yes. Mostly mostly cringe, but it's funny cringe, depending, <laughs> depending on who's reading it. But before we do that, as always, uh, we've got a little housekeeping to do. We would love to hear from our listeners, so email us at nks at lordparty.com with your thoughts and questions, and you might just see them appear in a future episode. So hit up hit up those 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 DMs. Right. Email DMs. <laughs> well, if you want to hit up the other DMs, you can find Lawrence at produced by LK on Twitter and Twitch. And you can find Elizabeth at it's Rizbiff, I-T-S-R-I-Z-B-I-F on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, you can connect with the Lore Party team on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at lore underscore party. Awesome. Now that our housekeeping is done. Here's a quick word from our sponsors. Switching it up a little bit. Word. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, now that we're back. So I talk about this. Well, for one, it's not every day where you see a show or a piece of media launch a story with arguably its least interesting villain and make it as compelling as this was. Moon Knight has several more recognizable villains like Bushman, yet Marvel chose to anchor a series to a dude who made it into one comic book series and then was never heard from again. And while that gives writers and producers free license to reinvent him as needed, they took a surprising amount of the best parts of the original character and created what we saw on screen. But don't take our word for it. 
Let's get into the discussion. And after the episode, let us know what you think. Word. All right. So I am going to guess that most of the people that are listening to this podcast, majority of you, might not have read this comic book. So a good place to start is just to give you a brief synopsis of this hilarious, like, 1986 uh, issue of Moon Knight. So, like, we're going to kick things off. We're going to kick things off here, so strap in. So Arthur Harrow first appeared in Moon Knight Volume 2. And spoilers ahead of time, even though we've already said this a bunch of times, this is the only time he appears. And it's not because of what you think. He didn't die. The story begins in the Yucatan Peninsula, where we see two dark-skinned men with strange implants carrying the unconscious bodies of local hemp farmers. The men bring the bodies to some ruins and open a door where they first see Arthur Harrow, who surprisingly suffers from a debilitating pain and is shown with one half of his face being paralyzed. We then jump to Mark, who's freshly back from Egypt, having performed some Moon Knight duties. Mark is desperately searching for Marlene, who's since broken up with him. Sad. Yeah, and he is pining hard. After accidentally beating up and then saving a man due to his enhanced strength under the moon, who is harassing a woman at this jazz club, Mark runs into Marlene, who he was definitely there to see anyways. Marlene flees the scene only to be chased by Mark and his vet. As, you know, cool way of saying Corvette back then. Mark's stalker behavior is interrupted by Conchu's priest dangerously distracting Mark via popping up in the middle of the road and making him stop his car, providing him with a vision of Arthur Harrow, people being experimented on, and a woman telling Mark he must go to Yucatan. After waiting at a resort for some time, Mark sees a woman that matches one, the one shown to him in the vision. Mark changes into his Moon Knight costume, like, what, like behind something or like on the side of the road? Behind a bush at a resort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then confronts her. But before he can, uh, well, he goes to confront her. And before he can, the woman is kidnapped. After some sweet feats of strength, a powerless Moon Knight defeats her assailants. And the two bicker for a second before the woman explains that she is Dr. Victoria Grail, a scientist and colleague of Arthur's. She claims that Arthur's research on pain sciences indicate that he's been performing experiments on people using a technique first invented by Nazis in World War II. Which, as you can imagine, is not okay. And also, he's definitely lying about that in his research. Oh, yeah. These same experiments happen to claim the lives of Victoria's father's side of their family back in Auschwitz. The Nobel Prize Board has since sent her to interview Harrow in hopes of exposing him. Solid plan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely send this person to do that. Not going to unearth anything that's over, over her head. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so the two agreed to form an alliance against Harrow, and, and under the cover of the moon, they attempt to infiltrate the location where he's experimenting. Little do they know that Arthur Harrow has been tipped off to their arrival by the secret organization Omnium that funds his research and grants him the access to the Nazi research to eliminate pain. The organization, fearing discovery, makes plans for Arthur's escape. And yes, they did. The whole secret organization did just appear at this point in the comic book, just so you just so you guys are aware. <laughs> and we don't know what that acronym stands for. No, we're not supposed to, I guess. 
As Moon Knight and Victoria enter Arthur's compound, he releases a leopard, which Moon Knight quickly dispatches, having been juiced by the moon. Uh, attack leopards, my favorite. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're no, they're no use, or they're they're no match against Moon Knight and his suit that may or may not have gloves. Please, everybody, read this comic. <laughs> The duo then discovers a false wall that leads to Arthur's lab and come face to face for the first time, the first and only time with him and his experiments. Arthur orders his experiments to keep the two at bay while he escapes. Moon Knight attempts to fight the experimented people only to realize his super strength is doing more harm to these people who have no control over their actions. Well, they're being like puppeted around and he's trying not to hurt them, but he- He's he's, at this point in this like run of the comics, he's not really he doesn't have control over the fact that he is overpowered during when it's a a moon. I see someone's bone poking right out the arm. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's not. And, you know, Mark Spector, he's not trying to hurt, hurt these people. He knows. But anywho, since he does not want to hurt these people, he opts instead to pursue Harrow and the two follow Harrow outside for only only for him to escape on a chopper. Moon Knight attempts to throw a boomerang, but a well-timed bomb from the chopper stops this from happening. Yep. Just boomerangs and... Right, just, just maybe I could throw a boomerang at your helicopter. I guess that's something. Harrow escapes. Omnium sets him up with a new lab, and Moon Knight and Victoria make out to Mark's dismay because he's still hardcore crushing on Marlene, who literally dipped on him. And we never see Harrow again. Like I said, he's not around, but he didn't die. So it's not for the reason you think. He's just out here still doing those experiments, probably. No one was like, yeah, you know what? Let's let's bring him back in. Yeah, or like maybe we should let that boomerang hit the bomb and blow up the helicopter. But it's it's fine. I feel like they probably had plans for Arthur Harrow, and then they were like, never mind. There was probably some changes happening at Marvel or something like that. But it is a very, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, that was the only issue. They, they really did a lot. But, you know, as we'll discuss in this episode, uh, even though we saw Arthur for maybe like four pages in total, uh, they still managed to scrape a decent amount of personality out of that comic book and then refine it for Ethan Hawke's uh, take on Arthur Harrow. I think even look like looks wise, other than obviously like okay. other than the paralyzed side of the face, like they both have like long hair. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta save the long hair. Hey, you know what? You have to have to be specific in these things. So now what we'll do is we're going to just take a look at um, some details. Since we've we've covered the the comic run, we're gonna take a look at. Arthur Harrow, as he appears in the comic books with a little bit of information that's provided, and then we'll take a look at Arthur Harrow in the show as he is presented. So let's start with comic book Arthur. So as you may surmise from the summary we just read, Harrow's appearance in the comic is far is a far different depiction than what we saw on the show. <laughs> that's, that is not an understatement. Yeah, right. His motives are purely influenced by himself. He wants to end his personal affliction and cure his paralysis, and he'll do whatever it takes. That being said, there are some surprising similarities uh, to the show Harrow that we'll touch upon later in this episode. Comic Arthur is a talented surgeon and scientist whose work in medicine, specifically for his work in pain theory, motivated by his own trigeminal neuralgia, 
led to his nomination for a Nobel Prize. He's definitely your cut-and-dry antagonist in his comic book issue. Now you go to the the show, Arthur, which is superior in our opinion. As we've talked about many times before in the show, is a former Fist of Conchu turned Ahmed devotee and cult leader, genuinely down for the cause of ridding the world of evil before it has a chance to happen. And while he's meant to be our main antagonist in the show, his presence as such in the show is more gray than the comic book version since his motives are technically pure, but his execution is off. That is true, yeah. So now we can dig a little deeper, and now that we know who these characters are in their own forms of medium, we can go into their kind of like Take a look at some of the distinct personalities that are highlighted in the comic book versus the show for the, for this character. We can start with the, the comic Arthur. So comic Arthur's most distinct personality traits are his extreme selfishness and lack of empathy or humanity. At the surface, ridding people of physical pain, especially when they're suffering from a chronic condition, is admirable. However, his motives are less about doing that research for other people and completely about his own condition. And from that selfishness, he's willing to dehumanize and reduce people to guinea pigs for his own gain. Yeah. Favorite line from him in that comic book was uh, the people at Auschwitz didn't go far enough. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was like, ooh. <laughs> Ooh. And doesn't he tell someone that, like they don't matter? Like, well, he was like, if we could, if we kidnap enough, pe- if we kidnap people in small controlled bursts, no one will miss them. Basically, he's uh, like, yeah, don't yeah, kidnap yeah. too many people. Yeah, like get yourself some people. Yeah, so, that's some yeah. villain shit right there. Yeah, it's like I, you go, don't don't alert the authorities to my presence. But the show Arthur is very different. Arthur in the show is actually a very complex character. While he isn't suffering so much from physical pain. Minus the glass in his shoes, he does suffer emotionally uh, from the time that he spent as being the former Fist of Kanchu. The emotional pain is a major player in Harrow's overall goals throughout the show. We see this when he thanks Kanchu for breaking him, believing it allowed him to be victorious in that moment. We see that Arthur is also selfless to a fault. He's willing to sacrifice himself because he isn't able to find balance. And although he will kill and sacrifice, he takes no pleasure in it, as we see him apologizing to those who have fallen to Ahmet's judgment. His cause is not his own. He wishes to carry out Ahmet's will because that means an end to suffering. Suffering that he understands all too well from his time spent with Kanchu. Yeah, so there's definitely like, I mean, granted, having one issue, like, present on like four pages versus a six episode thing there's going to be a little bit more depth to the show harrow but i mean and and also it's a comic book that came out in like the 80s that's true it's a very comic-y comic book it is a very (laughs) comic-y comic book arthur comic arthur is very much your run-of-the-mill villain <laughs> yeah like one of the hunchy ones that puts their fingers together and like laughs maniacally is basically the comic book arthur yeah yeah definitely i'm definitely glad that they <laughs> they didn't just like pluck that out and put it in the show yeah they they i'm glad they 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 changed a lot of that <laughs> yeah but you know that aside this is a perfect spot and the this is the perfect spot in the episode to take a break while we search for more arthur harrow moon knight issues oh wait There are none, as we've said before. Over and over again. (laughs) But anyways, 
We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Thank God. I found no Arthur Harrow issues. Trust me, I looked. <laughs> and the joke continues. So now we're going to take a look at some motives. So yeah, we'll take a look at what motivates the comic book Arthur and what motivates the show Arthur. So for comic book Arthur, like even though his appearance was brief, Arthur in the comics only desired to cure his personal affliction and rid himself of his debilitating pain and facial paralysis. Pain was constant in his life, And despite it, he pushed forward, hoping one day to do something about it. And although he was straight up morally bankrupt, the fact that his research was all public states that he may have wanted to share his discovery with the world in some form or fashion. Like, I think that even though he was a, you know, Nazi sympathizing, uh, kidnapping crazy man, there may have been some... Uh, thought in like this research can help rid the world of people chronic pain other than myself but I go first also you know I'm still going to use that Nazi research so like yeah it's it's not a silver lining or a, like any sort of way of uh, making up for it it's just like hey maybe this guy was like after he did this terrible thing maybe he's just going to share it with the rest of us and <laughs> that's, that, that's basically about all about it I feel like it's just, it's like everybody has, every villain has their like cover story. Like he's making enough of his research public to like make it look like he's the good guy so that he can do all the heinous shit in the dark. Pain sciences. In the end, when you're like, hey, you've experimented on a bunch of like people that are in like poverty. So you experimented on a bunch of poor people. And I feel like his response is going to be like, yes, but look what it got you. And I'm like, Ooh. Yeah, that's very, very uh, Nazi-like. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, so man is a man is a modern day Nazi. Um, and like, we're not going to skip past that part, but we can just say like, if there was, I, I don't know, man was inventing a way to not feel pain, I guess, but doing, yeah. it, doing it really bad. So, yes, we do not we do not sympathize with comic book Arthur. No. But but, um, you know, we can also infer that while he is obsessive, his goal was never to really test on the greater human population, which is this is also once again, nothing that's like great. It's just very much just cherry picking shit right now, Um, you know, because he 
this the reason I bring this up is because, like we mentioned earlier, he was careful in who he brought in for experimentation. But the double-edged sword on that was he uh, ended up kidnapping a lot of impoverished brown people. So, like, and it's not great that Omnium was a group of rich white guys. So, once again. Are we surprised, though? No. <laughs> it's just like, hey, I'm not going to kidnap. There are villains in comics that are like, yeah, I'll take this whole village. This guy was like, at least I'll take like two or three hemp farmers here and there. Or like not even the farmers, like the farm hands. Someone will get a new job. These guys will come here and be used for the greater good, psych. Greater good. Good in, greater good in helping me. But um, yeah, so like we can say that at least like. Yeah, that, I mean, all that just points to the fact that, yeah, man was a whole ass Nazi. He's a bad dude. Yeah. Very much a. uh jackass yeah and i feel like a little bit of a, a a little bit antithesis to show arthur because like this man selfish selflessly desires a world without evil even if that means that he's not going to be a part of it and we can assume that dealing out justice and getting rid of evil doers has always been a motive in his life having been conchu's previous avatar but the never-ending appearance of evil in the world can be disheartening and make a person jaded. Yes. Like, going through that cycle and everything, like, obviously is going to cause you some type of feelings. Like, it's going to get old after a while. But instead of giving up on that goal of a better world entirely, he just pivots to what he believes is the better execution of his goal, which is stopping evil before it can happen yes. in line with what Amit wants to do. Yes. And if you bring up... and and. And for all people who want to counter and bring up the baby thing, you've never been asked, would you kill baby Hitler? I still say yes. Yes on that. And Arthur Harrow is definitely like, hell yeah, I would mash that baby to bits. So, like, where... I don't think he would do that. Person. I mean... <laughs> I would, That's a little violent for Arthur Harrow. <laughs> Arthur Harrow in the show. Would, would, Arthur Harrow in the show would blip that baby's soul into the duot. And then Arthur Harrow in the comic would experiment on that baby. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> or or worship him, but, you know, who knows? <laughs> well, worship him. That's true. That's true. Like, so, yeah, like, I, I say that, too, to, like, my um, inferences in Arthur Harrow, in the comic book Arthur Harrow, always lead to, like, yeah, this guy's just plain Jane evil. Uh, but like the inferences that you can pick up from some of the conversations that you have from show Arthur still very much align with the fact that like this guy's trying to do good. He's just going to do good no matter what. And like when you do something, no matter what, it tends to come with sacrifices. Like on the other um, on the other side of that argument is comic book Arthur doing these experiments no matter what, even though it violates a lot of um well, it violates a lot of laws and morality of someone who's supposed to be a scientist and a doctor. and Yeah, you know, human rights. Yeah. so Definitely being violated. Yes. So that's a similarity between those two, I guess, that we can pull. Is that, like... They're both doing the things no matter what. We just know that one's way more selfish about it than the other. And one definitely is finding joy in this where the other is not really, like, yes, as pumped. Because their personal stakes in the overall goal uh, 
are are a little bit different. Yeah, because like we said, like a uh, comic Arthur, his motivation is purely to not, cure himself and not look like Two Face. Yeah, and not look like Two Face because he one hundred percent does. Um, <laughs> and then show Arthur is like, I just want to make the world a better place, even if that means that I don't exist in said world to see how great it is. Yes, because like on the on the antithesis of that point is is uh, comic Arthur really being like secretly F Omnium. I, they just have the Nazi research I need. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, like where where show Arthur would sacrifice himself. That's the same area where comic book Arthur would stay scheming. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so like if we put comic Arthur in the show, I feel like at that last moment of like him being like, oh, your scales or him hearing that his scales aren't balanced, he'd be like, uh, like, surprise, I knew that bitch and then like killed someone or something like that. Like I'm now Ahmed. Like I they're feeling like there would be some weird shit going down like that. <laughs> I also feel like he would have blasted a lot faster inside of that uh, tomb. Yeah, Mark, Mark would have been. There would have been no choice. <laughs> no choice. We're like kneecap him. <laughs> <laughs> kneecap him followers that don't feel pain because I've experimented on all of you. Oh my god! Yeah, that would a hundred percent. So it would have been been wild. Everybody would have been like those uh, weird the the priests. The, yeah, it, the vibe of that show would have been completely different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very much. So, so with that, that is actually a very good. That's a very good transition into um, our key conflicts uh, section. We're going to do a little bit more uh, comparing and contrasting of their basic worldviews and motivations in in this section of the show. Mm-hmm. So, like we mentioned before, the physical for for comic book Arthur, the physical pain and deformity caused by his condition is something that he struggled with that was his internal conflict like his ambitions may have in some way or at some time been more noble but we don't know because we have one issue so it's just yeah we don't know if this had this like the root of this was good or if it's always been selfish right like we don't know if it's just like oh man i couldn't get this date damn you know what the world's gonna pay for this Lol. <laughs> like we don't know what what drove him this far, or if we he just always been a Nazi. Shit, that's very possible. Like, yeah, this is this is very possible, especially in a comic book from the eighties. Might have just always been a Nazi. That's true. But despite all that, our comic book Arthur eventually succumbed to the allure of his own desires in the worst way possible. Similarly, though, to the show Arthur Harrow, comic book Arthur is driven by the effects of pain and his desire to end suffering. Something I think we could both agree on is that show Arthur wouldn't have done that. No, I already said there would be the, there would be no. Yeah, yeah Arthur. there's Arthur Harrow in the comic books is like, eh, who cares if you suffer? Because in the end, I'll be good. And show Arthur is basically like, well, suffering comes with the cause but it doesn't mean that i have to enjoy it yeah and i mean the only person he like kills without just like judgment is mark <laughs> so with this world war ii pistol and then we go like when we actually take a look at show arthur unsurprisingly his key conflict is 
with the presence of evil in the world. But stemming from that is also the abuse that he's endured at the hands of Khonshu that led him to where he is in the show. There may have been a world where show Arthur could continue as Khonshu's avatar and feel fulfilled by dealing out justice to those who deserve it, never needing to go down the path to Amit. But when you have such an abusive relationship with the moon god you're serving, you're going to want an out. And if evil is going to be around always, you stop seeing a way out and you stop being fulfilled by justice being dealt out after the fact. And to build on that, too, when the person that's uh, when the person that is supposed to remove evil from the world is questionably moral in themselves. Yeah. then it's just stops making sense. Yeah. So he's like going from like Kanchu, who is always morally gray and to Amit, who I, I mean, before sh- she came was very like yes no matter what this is how this goes there's not an exception yeah until she's like my last avatar imprisoned me for whatever so yeah Arrow, you're it yeah like like i feel like i mean amit's stance amit's stance never changes like Kanchu in the show tricked mark into believing that he was gone and he hung around still Ahmet was basically, I uh, was like, always like, we're just going to remove evil. I don't care that people don't get a choice. I don't care if babies die. I don't care if people who seem like they're seemingly innocent die. You're all getting uh, blipped to the duot. That's just how it's going to be. And then in the end, everybody who's cool will inherit the earth. Right. Hera was the only exception to that. Yeah. Yeah. Hera will be the the one jackass that remains. I think we can go to our moral messages of these characters because they, I think, there. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, a lot that you can get from show Arthur versus comic Arthur, but yeah, considering that the best thing that comic book Arthur said was something about it was basically him pulling a line from Alice in Wonderland. There's a lot of Alice in Wonderland references in this this comic. Also, definitely read it, everybody. It's just, just a mess <laughs> it's just a mess <laughs> it's so bad <laughs> but to, to start off to start off we'll take a look at show arthur and some of the moral messages that he presented throughout the show you know um because like obviously this was a man that waxed poetic basically every time he was on screen yeah he's yeah. the he's the like staple character quotes quotable character yeah in our show yeah, and he's got a smooth and pleasing voice. And when I look at Arthur Harrow in the comic books, all I see is him being like, Nah! I'm just disappointed comparatively. <laughs> Very. So, like, like, right off the bat, one of Arthur's moral messages was the sacrifice one must make in the pursuit of something that's righteous or a righteous goal doesn't or shouldn't muddle the final outcome. Children, the elderly, adults, all have equal potential for both good and evil. And they will all be judged the same way. Which someone might be like, well, you're killing people that might not be. I get it. I know all the arguments to this. But if you look at it from a technical, very, very technical lens, it makes a lot of sense. It's like everybody should be judged the same for their actions. Yeah. Which is not something you see very often. No. So, good moral message there. 
execution leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another moral message is, you know, sometimes the difference between poison and medicine is just the dosage. Which is one of my favorite quotes from that entire show, which I think we talked about in the previous episode. But Yeah, and it, it like perfectly, it, it's the perfect contrast of Arthur Harrow's time with Kanchu and then Arthur Harrow's time with Ahmed. Like, he spent all of this time with Kanchu dealing out justice that didn't really make the world a better place in his eye, all while being mentally abused to, like, the point of breaking by this thing that is supposed to, you know, this almighty being that is supposed to deliver justice and be fair, but it's actually really just focused on his own personal motives. So, you know, while trying to rid the world of evil, he ends up becoming just like a puppet for a morally gray being. Yeah. And it wasn't really doing much or it was doing stuff that was like too late. Whereas Ahmet, the more extreme side of this was just like eliminate people's choice and then eliminate people, which takes care of evil at the root. But the problem with that is that it takes care of evil at the root based off of the criteria of one person, and they can definitely go back on what they want. Not to mention the range. <laughs> Again, good point. Execution, questionable. And then eliminating evil means judging someone at their core instead of their outwardly appearance. Which this, I, you know. This some, is just don't judge a book by its cover. Yes. In different words. <laughs> and, and like, honestly, it's something that show Arthur exemplified. Like, when he, you know, made that town a lot better and everything, like, he encouraged people to share resources, to uh, learn together, to share knowledge, to, like, see each other as people. That was a good-ass thing to do. This is a whole group of people that may have otherwise uh, been subject to things in society that would make them hate each other, and here's this guy that's coming and uniting people. Mm -hmm. Like, execution was great on that. Like, I mean, obviously, you're in a cult, so, mm, but, like, the overall message, it was like, these are people that are learning from each other, that are sharing knowledge, that are improving themselves. Um, and, like... It was because this person at the helm that did unite them actually tr truly believes in that shit. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, your, your typical, your typical cults of today where it's like, nah, this is for my own personal gain. Like, this is somebody who's actually leading people for the, the, for their, their own betterment. Yeah. So like, good moral message executed perfectly until it wasn't. And then my final um, moral message that I've pulled from show Arthur is just that choice, autonomy, and free will are the roots of the greatest good and evil. I like that. But that I mean, it was it was something that it was something that they exemplified they exemplified a lot. Like it was the whole argument of of. Um, I mean, the arguments between uh, Kanchu and Ahmet were basically like, oh, we do the same thing, except I give people a choice. And at the same time, the counter argument to that is 
your choice sacrifices people. So. It's like the question of like, should we give people of the choices that you have in life? Should the bad ones be even on the table? Right. And uh, the sad fact is that you can't like people need autonomy and free will despite what sorts of bad things can happen giving someone complete autonomy and free will and choice. So, bam. Show Arthur was out here dropping dimes, man. Moral message after moral message after moral message. Dude was doing three-pointers with those glass shoes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yes, he was. <laughs> like, highly, highly quotable, man. He's a highly quotable man. Unlike comic Arthur, not a very highly quotable man. <laughs> not at all. And like what, like I said, one issue doesn't give us much content to compare to the six episodes of the show, but we can still at least deduce a little bit of a moral message from this twisted character, which honestly is just that you should not let your personal afflictions prevent you from seeing the humanity in others. Like, is there a moral goodness to wanting to rid people of pain? Yes. Is experimenting on people and using Nazi research the way to do it? Hell no. 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 Don't yeah. do that. Right. <laughs> Especially yeah, when you start looking at people like, eh, no one's going to miss this person. That's when yeah. you know you've, you've already. Don't dehumanize people. Don't make people your guinea pigs. Right. And then don't make those sort of failed nice or whatever experiments whatever your, your puppet henchmen people yeah right. please don't yes because also everybody that did survive did refer to him as master so like you know yeah so this is very it's giving no yeah. <laughs> just no it was basic <laughs> arthur harrow arthur harrow in the comics was a nazi arthur harrow in real life was a cult leader that truly believed in his his whole spiel yeah show show harrow would have been like no judgment immediately to comic harrow <laughs> yeah like you 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 gots to go <laughs> like i don't even yeah. need to hold to hold your hands to know that you are you're going going yeah. to do what right now man yeah because like man was still like because the thing that sums up comic book arthur harrow was the fact that he was still suffering from excruciating pain when his experiments were showing somewhat of a success with removing um pain from his test subjects he just didn't want to test it on himself until it was completely perfect so man was like i can suffer through this pain well you know while while i while i do these things like even though i'm making progress that progress isn't good enough for me yet so i'm gonna test on this guy out here who has no like no sort of no issues at all or whatever but but i mean you know testing something before it's not perfect makes you green goblin <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm just saying how bad do you want that pain to go away it seems like you got partial way here man Osborne really wanted it <laughs> hey, hey, that's what, hey. Osborne's more dedicated to the cause than comic Arthur Harrow <laughs> yes and that's what happens when you just moral are morally bankrupt and suck <laughs> absolutely and then just final thoughts on the episode I mean honestly Going through this whole thing, reading this one hilariously, like, very 80s, very questionable issue of Moon Knight, and then comparing that character to the TV show that's more modern and thought out. Um, I mean, there's there's no comparison there. 
obviously like show Arthur wins every time. Yeah, show Arthur was great because this was a person that we truly got to understand his motives. It, like, you know, even though we feel like Arthur Harrow in the show is the more superior one, it's not that things he did weren't questionable or, you know, choices he made weren't questionable. It was just his dedication to something that was greater than him in a way that didn't benefit him at all. Right. And like he never wanted it to benefit him. He truly believed in his cause, even though it wasn't like it was questionable and it wasn't the right thing to do. He very much believed in his cause and he was very much willing to make personal sacrifices to see that through. Whereas comic book Arthur is just a dick and a Nazi and experiments on poor people in a foreign country. So like dude is an asshole also he's still up for that nobel prize they didn't really go into that but i don't think that they got what they needed to to not to stop him yeah i don't know yeah like there's so much questionable shit about that issue like he literally gets another lab and Omnium continues to fund his research. Then we never see him again. And all they do is like, Moon Knight will rue the day he messed with Omnium. And I'm like, Moon Knight doesn't even know who Omnium is. And then we just move on to an entirely different story. God damn it. <laughs> hey, man, it happens. So I was like, this man can, is, is out here technically still doing it. Even if he can't get a Nobel Prize for it, he's still probably out there experimenting on people. Yeah. So... Fuck comic book, Arthur. We, I, I guess we just need Jake to come finish his job. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. And with that, this is the truth learned. That being Moon Knight is not a curse, nor a state of penance. It is simply who and what he was always meant to be. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you under the blue moon. Screw comic book Arthur Harrow. Word.